0: The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey
1: everyone, this is Russell Cox. I'm the editor of the Municipal Association's Uptown Publication and Digital Production Manager. And I am joined by Eric Scheidel, who is General Counsel for the Municipal Association. And Eric, we have been talking about First Amendment audits. In the first part, we kind of explained what they are and the the background of them we've talked about them like in the context of a person going into city hall with a cell phone and initiating videos and just going around seeing what's going to happen when they film. So a critical consideration in this is the issue of public forums and forum rules. So so what can we say about that?
0: Well, the interesting thing about the application of First Amendment to video recording is, as we mentioned earlier, the case law has really evolved in the context of of bystander videos of police encounters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the courts have been very protective of that for, for the reasons we mentioned, that the courts feel like a bystander filming a police encounter with a suspect is, is a matter of urgent public concern.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the language they've used in those cases has really established the right to video record, the the formulation that gets used is there's a First Amendment right to video record public officials in public places. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in the specific context of those cases, the public official in question has been a police officer, and the public place in question has been essentially a sidewalk or a street, what you would normally consider public. Yes. What the First Amendment auditors have done is they've claimed that the public places means not just streets, sidewalks, parks, but, but, but it also includes public property, government building. And the courts, have, the courts have really said, well, there's essentially four types of fora forums. And the rules that can be applied in the forum are different depending on what the forum is. So the, for, so the four types of forums are traditional public forums is the first one. And, and that's just what it sounds like. That's streets, sidewalks, courthouse steps, public squares, and, and in those areas, the right to speech is almost absolute. The government can't really do anything. Mm-hmm. They, they cannot discriminate on viewpoint. You can say whatever you want to say. They can't discriminate on content. You, you can, the, the courts have said governments can pass reasonable content neutral restrictions on time, place, and manner. So you can say no protest using bullhorns in the city park at one in the morning. That's a time, place, and manner mm-hmm. restriction. Now there's what's called a designated public forum, and a designated public forum is it ordinarily wouldn't be a public place, but the court is, the, the the government has said, well, that's a place where we're going to allow speech, council meeting, meeting rooms in in schools, mm-hmm. you know, that are used after school. These are designated public forums. The rules are generally the same there as a traditional public forum, except for the rules, the, the restrictions, you know, the, the restrictions on government activity apply only during the time it's designated. There's, there's a limited forum. A limited forum is we're going to open this space up for public speech, but, but only for this purpose. Now, a great example of, of a limited forum is public comment at city council meeting. Mm-hmm. At a city council meeting, you say at the end of your meeting, we're going to allow members of the public to come speak on whatever is of interest to them,
1: but... You might limit it to five minutes or something.
0: You might limit it to five minutes. You might limit it by relevancy. Mm-hmm. You can say it has to do with city business. You can't come in and talk about, you know, your favorite sports team, or mm-hmm. you can't complain about a different government. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's limited. You know, it's 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 a and and what you can do is you can say, you can only talk about these types of things. That's content based. You can say, you know, it's content neutral, but it's not viewpoint neutral. And then the final one and the type of forum that's most interesting for the, for the First Amendment audit question is they're non-public forums, places where there's no normal expectation of being able to speak freely. And your classic example of non-public forums on public property include airport terminals, public schools, internal mail system, polling places, courtrooms, and most importantly for us, private offices. Now, this is where, you, you know, you need to make the distinction that the First Amendment auditors have not made, is there's a, there's a difference between a public place and a public building. Mm-hmm. Even in a public building, there are places that are not public places. For example, a bathroom. For example, if you happen to have a wellness facility, a locker room. For example, in a fire station, a changing room. Mm-hmm. But, but most importantly, we're, we're thinking about private employee hallways, private employee offices. And in those places, you can restrict speech you you don't necessarily have to agree with the First Amendment auditors that everything that is a public building is necessarily a public place so we, you could mark a space to, yeah yeah I think the right way to do it Russell is the, the first thing the government should do is is they should clearly I don't know that I would say they have to adopt regulations but there should be some kind of facility rules if you have a facility manager or a you know a public works director that has public services under them, You can say these parts of the building are not, these parts of the building aren't public. Mm -hmm. And an easy way to think about it is if in your current city hall, if you have any security checkpoints or if you have any places where you say only employees beyond here, Mm -hmm. then you've already established the non-public fora. But what you want to do is you, you, you want to indicate where those are in a facially visible and objective way. So when the First Amendment auditor comes in and starts walking down the hall, you can say, sorry, that's a private hallway. Mm-hmm. There's, that's an employee space. And, and you could simply have a sign that said employees only beyond this point or employees and invited guests only. Mm-hmm.
1: So beyond that, there are court cases where case law has granted government employees some protections.
0: Well, this this area law is developing. So, so we've said, you know, e- even though government – can't restrict video recording of public officials in public places. A public place does not necessarily mean all parts of a public building. Mm -hmm. The other question that comes up is what about the government employees? Does a government employee have any right not to be filmed? And in general, the answer to that is no. If if you're in a public place and you're a public employee, then you generally... you must. The government must allow filming of you doing your business mm-hmm. if you're a public employee in a public place. So, if you think about the receptionist at city hall, the billing clerk at the counter in utility billing, the you know any any situation you can think of, if you're in a public forum, even a designated public forum, and someone wants to record you, the government generally has to allow that. Mm-hmm. But some interesting cases have come up with respect to government employees. There's there's a case out of New York. It's a postal service worker. She's a federal employee. She's going on her route to deliver mail, and a citizen accuses this postal service worker of not delivering her mail Mm -hmm. and says, you could lose your job for that, and I'm filming you to document your reaction. And then over the next weeks and months, this citizen begins a pattern of what could only be called harassment Mm -hmm. of this postal worker, following the postal worker around on her route, filming her, following her in her car, uh, and, and eventually, after complaints by the postal worker, the, the citizen who's engaged in this behavior uh, is prosecuted under New York law for stalking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The question the court is looking at, this is a, an intermediate level New York court, so it doesn't have any binding effect in South Carolina. But the court ended up allowing the prosecution for stalking to stand. Let's assume that the, the person who was filming the postal service worker in the New York case, let's just take the video recording out. If instead of following the Postal Service worker around and recording her, they were simply following her.
1: And that would definitively be stalking and
0: it's clear clearly stalking. And so we need to find a way for the courts to be able to say that you can't immunize bad behavior by adding a speech component to it. Mm-hmm. So, and to make it specific to South Carolina, I went back and I looked up the South Carolina stalking laws. It turns out that almost every state has some form of stalking laws. And mm-hmm. in South Carolina, we do have an anti-stalking law. And and under our stalking law, it says harassment in the first degree is a pattern of unreasonable intrusion into the life of a targeted person that serves no legitimate purpose and causes the person emotional or mental distress. Mm -hmm. And then the definitions, the examples of harassment in our statute include following the targeted person as he or she moves from location to location, Mm -hmm. that's the Postal Service worker, or visual or physical contact that is initiated after a person has been told not to do it. And I haven't found a court case that rules this way yet, but but what I would recommend to our members is you can, I believe you can adopt rational anti-harassment and anti-stalking rules mm-hmm. to protect your employees. And if the conduct that you're regulating is is not entirely based on recording, if it's based on conduct that is not the recording, then I think you should be able to to apply those
1: mm-hmm. anything anything further on on that section
0: yeah I'll, I'll note that at the end of the anti-stalking statute in in south carolina it, it does say that the section does not apply this is the final subsection of the anti-stalking law this section does not apply to words or conduct protected by the constitution of the state or united states so there is a first amendment carve out to that and but i feel like that in that case the 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 legislation is kind of punted it just has said well you can assert a First Amendment defense to this, but, but, but and the law won't apply if applying the law would be a First Amendment violation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I think in most cases, government should have the right to protect its employees against stalking and harassment. There are other examples about abusive behavior. I mean, for example, you know, what if the First Amendment auditor comes in, video recording, and engages in a profanity-laced tirade against the public-facing employee? If they weren't video recording, you can certainly say there are limits to the behavior you can engage in. And We can ask you to leave if you verbally attack or harass our employees. Like, so we, we have this harassment and stalking standard. Um, and, and I feel like what we need to do is just not lose sight of the fact that if we have these rules to protect our employees against members of the public, and we're enforcing them the same way that, that a Starbucks or an Apple store would, we shouldn't lose those rights simply because we've added the speech component mm-hmm. with with a with a video recorder we've talked about the rights of public employees to be protected from recording another question i've gotten m- multiple times is what about the rights of private parties mm-hmm. w- w- what happens if if russell cox goes to pay his water bill and while he's there, he's being filmed. Or what if he's paying his business license? Or what if he's reporting a crime to a police officer? Mm-hmm. He's, he's a private citizen. He happens to be on public property at the time this is happening. Does he have any right uh, to, to not be filmed? And and the state laws vary across the country. Um, there's federal law. But 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 the general rule is when you're in a public place, the the, the protections are places in which you have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And that's where like wiretapping laws have come from, is that you have a reasonable expectation of privacy when you're talking on the telephone. Um, video recording, oddly enough, is not quite as protected as audio recording. Uh, and, it, and I think this is just a, one of these questions of lag time in the law that we had decades and decades of easy access to audio recordings. And laws have developed about when can you audio record someone? Do you have to have their consent? And this just played out in the wiretapping laws. Uh, really ubiquitous, uh, widely distributed video recording of people is a relatively new phenomenon. And I don't think the laws had time to catch up. But I think generally you have to allow, you can't prohibit video recording of private citizens in your public places. The government can't do it. Now, I do think that you can protect their privacy if they're engaged, particularly if, the video recording or the audio recording could capture personally identifiable information. If if you're paying a business license or you're paying a utility bill or you're applying for a planning permit, um, then I, I think you can protect that person so that the video and audio recording doesn't capture any personal information about mm-hmm. that person. There's the
1: Camera right over their application. Or, right, yeah.
0: or, or if they ask you what's your driver's license number, what's your street address, I think you can tell the First Amendment auditors, you, you can't capture that information from a private citizen. You have to stand at a, a far enough distance to where all you can see is the person, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you can't audio capture personal information. You can either video nor audio capture the personal information. Th- this is going to evolve, and again, I think it's because we, we've developed the law on audio recordings but not on video recordings. Right now, I just advise governments, be relatively cautious about this when you adopt your regulations. I think we're probably safe to say... You can't film individual transactions right at the counter. For larger cities, this may be a smaller issue because many times that, that those those individuals go to particular offices for an application. But if it's all being done at a public facing counter, mm-hmm. I, I think what we do is we just have like a safe zone almost.
1: Another thing you've mentioned is limitations on First Amendment audits that would interfere with the performance of duties.
0: Yeah, and 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 that's and that's very clear. The cases are very clear that if even if the activity they're doing is speech, even if a First Amendment auditor or a simple bystander or someone else is is recording, and that right is protected, that doesn't give them the right to interfere with the government official performing his or her duties. Mm-hmm. So, a classic example, and there's cases reported on this is uh, if if a police officer makes a, a traffic stop, and and, and that's a that's obviously a high risk situation when, when you're in a traffic stop, the, the person in the car could have weapons. The person in the car could be confrontational, could be aggressive. Uh, you know, the, the, simply because you're recording doesn't give you a right to go right up to the side of the car and insert yourself into the encounter. I think the same rules could apply to mm-hmm. a regular government official. If you're, if, if you're a government employee working on your daily business, you're, Let's say you're in the finance department or the utility billing department, and you're you're doing your work. You're trying to receive applications, receive payments, things like this. Mm-hmm. And and someone disrupts your work. The government does have a right to say you can't interfere with, with my employees' ability to perform and complete their work. Mm-hmm.
1: We've talked about marking marking off areas in a city hall. One thing that came up in the Uptown article we did on this. There's some other best practices as well in terms of being mindful and training and that sort of thing
0: yeah i think so if, if we're looking practically we we've said that a first amendment audit and we should note at this point russell that that the first amendment auditors it, it's becoming a fairly widespread practice and a number of south county municipalities have already encountered first amendment auditors who have come into their buildings aggressively trying to disrupt their daily operations and trying to provoke a reaction. Mm-hmm. And, and again, what, what the First Amendment auditor is really hoping for is to provoke a reaction to make the government fail the First Amendment audit mm-hmm. in their mind. The, the critical thing for our listeners to remember is that what they're trying to do is pro- to provoke a reaction. In most cases, the consequences of provoking a reaction, let's say that a First Amendment auditor comes in and an employee loses, um, loses his or her temper or tries to restrain the First Amendment auditor from engaging in lawful behavior. In most cases, the outcome is simply an embarrassing video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There have been cases in which, with, with legal assistance from the ACLU or from First Amendment Watch or other activist groups, uh, th- that monetary liability has been, has been inc- incurred. Mm-hmm. And, and in most cases, it's been because someone was engaging in First Amendment audit, the government said stop, they didn't stop, and then they took the person into custody. Either seized the camera, arrested the person, took them into custody. And, and, in, and in those cases, you know, we've seen awards at, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for violations of First Amendment under Section 1983. But, but that's been the outlier case. I don't want to say it doesn't happen. But in most cases, they just post a video and say, look how terrible government acts is. Mm-hmm. Now, so, so what, can, what can our member municipalities do to prevent against embarrassing videos and potential monetary liability? The most important thing is to stay calm. The most successful response to a First Amendment audit is to simply smile and wave and say, have a nice day and let them do what they want to do
1: doesn't make for good video.
0: It doesn't make for good video, and they're not going to get many hits or comments on their YouTube channel on a video where an employee is, is basically reacting to them as it's just another day at the office. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, related to that, though, is to, to ensure that, you're, that you have a calm reaction when a First Amendment auditor arrives is employee education. Mm-hmm. All of your employees need to know, or at least all of your public-facing employees need to know... This is how we want you to react when this happens. Be aware this may happen. Mm-hmm. And when a group of, as happened in a South Carolina municipality within the past six months, when a group of literally seven people come in boisterously filming and asking you rude and aggressive questions and won't identify themselves, won't say why they're there. You know, if your employee recognizes, well, this is the pattern of a First Amendment audit. What I'm supposed to do here is remain calm and let them do their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a third component, to the extent you do want to protect against disruption of your businesses, you, you should probably, particularly for larger cities and particularly for cities with significant public facilities, is mark or designate in some degree of formality the areas of your building that are public areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this has happened by default. If you go into the, to a large city's uh, city hall, there will normally be a receptionist at the first area. And you only go beyond that receptionist by invitation or on specific business. Mm-hmm. Um, some smaller cities that it may not be quite so formal. Uh, and I think it's probably good practice to simply, you know, even lobby signs, even a, a movie theater style placard sign on a pole that says mm-hmm. "Employees only beyond this point" uh, is probably good practice to have to have a sense in your mind of uh, these are the public parts of the building, these are the non-public parts of the building. And the final thing, Russell, is that is you know we've talked about stalking and harassment. I, I think that that the government could could enforce reasonable rules to protect your employees against harassment, stalking, other types of behavior that's not legitimately a form of speech. Uh, that's really just bad behavior that's being that's that they're trying to protect under First Amendment protections. Uh, and, and I don't I don't know if I'm going to recommend that that you adopt formal regulations. Uh, but it might not be a bad idea mm-hmm. i've seen examples from cities that that for example a lot of cities have rules about conduct at public hearings public comment no profanity no boisterous or aggressive behavior no yelling mm-hmm. and and you could adopt those similar kind of rules to protect your employees against against harm okay
1: well we um eric we've
0: covered a lot of ground uh any anything further no, I just, it'll be interesting to see how this law continues to develop. I, I've looked valiantly, uh, you know, in all the federal cases, and, and there's a lot of open questions beyond the police bystander video context that mm-hmm. have yet to be answered. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep monitoring it, and we'll help municipalities adopt reasonable regulations mm-hmm. and uh, and protect themselves. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Russell. I enjoyed it.